Content warning. This episode contains real-life experiences of youth talking about mental health challenges such as eating disorders, suicide, racism trauma, and sexual violence, which might be disturbing to listeners. I'm Mila Kashiwabara. I was 10 years old when I wrote an essay about my experiences with mental wellness during the pandemic. It was chosen to be included in Speaking Our Truths, the Isamute Files. Top health organizations like the Centers for Disease Control and the World Health Organization define mental health this way. Mental health includes our emotional, psychological, and social well-being. It affects how we think, feel, and act, and helps determine how we can handle stress, relate to others, and how we make choices. I have had my own journey with mental health during the pandemic. I was nine years old when it started. The pandemic lasted until I was 12 years old. That's a long time for someone my age. I grew up during social isolation and online learning. During that time, I was without my friends and social activities. This affected me. I was going through a lot of self-love and body confidence issues, and I had written a lot of terrible stuff about myself in my diary. When I wrote my essay, I found out I wasn't alone about how I felt. All the writers of the Ism Youth Files talk about their own experiences with mental wellness. The pandemic affected all of us, especially as kids. If you've been joining us, you know that each person has had differences in their mental health journey. And mental health means something different to everyone. I'm Mila Kashiwabara. I'm Puerto Rican, Cuban, Korean, and Japanese. I was 10 years old when I wrote an essay about my mental health journey during the pandemic. I'm now 12 and a student at West Sylvan Middle School in Portland, Oregon. And I am one of the writers for the ISM Youth Files. Episode five, a mental health journey. Here are the writers you're going to hear from. My name is Freya Kong Sticka. I go to Sunset High School and I'm from Oregon. I'm Genevieve Vasquez Arce and I live in Sugarland, Texas. I'm Ella Salko, and we are in Portland, Oregon. I'm Kara Chen, and I currently attend Lake Ridge High School. I live in Lake Oswego, Oregon. I'm Danica Leung, and I'm located in Portland, Oregon. I'm Jeremy, and I'm located in Mystic, Connecticut. I'm DeAndre Avant. I'm from Boston, Massachusetts. I'm Eric Nielsen. I'm from Livonia, Michigan. Hi, I'm Caitlin O'Neill, and I go to Oregon Episcopal School, and I live in Tigard, Oregon. Lately, I have not been feeling like myself. At the most random times, I start bursting out into tears. I have an urge to clench my fists, and I just want to hit something. I say, I can't, I can't, I can't, and I don't know what I can't do. Sometimes I have a fear of running out of oxygen, and I always get very anxious if I do not have my water bottle with me. I have panic attacks and get shortness of breath, but whenever I did not have my water bottle on hand, the bad things I thought would happen never happened. Since my mom is a psychologist, I knew a little bit about what anxiety was. My mom saying she was worried about me made me worry. That was me about a year ago when I read from my essay, My Mental Health Journey. In the essay, I talk about my mom helping me get a therapist. At the first session, I thought it would be really awkward, but my mom knew what she was doing. 
It took us a while because it was important to have a therapist of color as well. We ended up finding a great therapist who was Asian like me. I was a little scared and embarrassed at first. I was going to tell a stranger things I'd never told anyone. Finding the right therapist helped me so much. Many of our writers also sought therapy. Our thoughts and emotions are not who we are, simply what paves who we are. Who are we? We are the witness, the spirit. Before I knew it, the sun had set. Everything was no longer nothing, nor something. Freya Sticka forgot how much creative writing helped her until she wrote this poem during the pandemic. She is now 16 years old and a Chinese-American student at Sunset High School in Portland, Oregon. Freya says she was transformed during the COVID lockdown. I remember when the pandemic started, I felt like I was just an average person who didn't care and never cared at all. I guess kind of a destructive person, not a really healthy person, someone that people don't really enjoy being around. But as the pandemic started, it gave me a chance to become myself and find things that aren't other people. Because I've noticed that if you aren't around other people growing up or are not really able to connect with them, it becomes harder to become like them and to understand them and for them to understand you because they didn't direct you. When the pandemic started, I started to go outside more and I realized that I may have been kind of lazy or kind of a bad influence to other people before the pandemic, or I might just be to other people, but really who I am is just someone else that isn't really related or can't be connected or described. Freya, like many youth, did some soul searching during the time of social isolation. While she went to therapy, she actually did better when life resumed again and she could see her friends. Different things work for different people, but a lot of people have kind of made it a standard to just go to a therapist and never really talk about their problems with other people, like friends and close friends. And that's kind of destructive because it kind of takes away that kind of connection and communication you have with other people and how you genuinely feel. Being in isolation was hard for 14-year-old Genevieve Bosco Arce in Sugarland, Texas. Being with her family every day, all day long, made her rethink what is expected of her as a Filipino-American. Genevieve spent a lot of time working on her graphic novel. She titled it Consequence of Culture, and in it, she listed society's expectations that she experienced into five rules. So rule one, do not be heard. You must be obedient. What I meant by that is growing up in a very disciplined, based home curriculum, we were kind of forced to shut out that creativity as well as speak only when we're told to. Rule two, study. You must be smart. Being an Asian, it's very easy to fall into the rabbit hole of I need to get perfect grades. I need to excel academically. Rule three, you must not drown at your girl solves their own problems. Rule four, swim. The water's quite comfortable, actually. Because if you embrace who you are, then the waters that drown you don't really drown you. You are swimming, essentially. Lastly, rule five, be the difference. Working on these rules and drawing her artwork onto index cards was one way Genevieve coped with lockdown during the pandemic. Mental health is a very serious issue for me and for a lot of other people, especially in this generation. In the summer of seventh grade, I started having like depressive episodes because 
even though I didn't talk to my friends, I still missed their company and I still missed who I was around them. And mental health, it's truly a revolutionary thing because mental health is just as important as the foundations of ethnicity and culture. The Acoma Project published a mental health report in 2022 titled State of Mental Health for Youth of Color During the Pandemic. About half of the youth experienced moderate to severe depression. Symptoms include low energy, feeling hopeless, poor sleep, and feeling generally bad about themselves. In the last image of Genevieve's graphic novel, she drew a young woman floating towards self-acceptance. Genevieve describes the critical thoughts that led to this image. Being enveloped in appearance, thinking, oh, my eyes are too small, my skin is too dark, I'm not good enough, is suffering under our own hands, which I believe is the only foolish action to do. So what to do in despite of that and in spite of that is to stay true to yourself and to love who you are, because in the end, you only have yourself. So might as well embrace your culture, your ethnicity, the people who love you, and how you love yourself. Ella Selko in Portland, Oregon, went to a Montessori school before the pandemic. During the lockdown, she and a couple other students created a social pod and held class in her mom's home office. There were four tables. One person was at each table, except two people had to sit at one table. We all had our separate computers that we brought from home. In the morning, it was like hectic because we were all like, where's our chargers? We need more outlets. Like, like, what's the Zoom link and stuff? You would just join, talk a little bit, and then you would have to stay on the Zoom while doing like work assignments. And then our teacher would come get specific people and put them into breakout rooms to give lessons. During this time, Ella created a graphic novel. It was titled Smile. She drew it in pencil, and it captured her emotions after the murder of George Floyd. Here she describes what she drew. And this is her, like, just curling up and, like, having, like, a breakdown, I guess. And then she gets up and, like, kicks something out of anger and doesn't notice that the a plant on the table leg she kicked was on the edge of the table and that kick made it fall over and then the dad hears the crash and says like hun what happened i'm coming in then on the next page there's a picture of the plant with the broken pot and dirt spilling out of it and then she like turns around and just hugs him and the dad even though it doesn't know what's going on he tries to like comfort her. You're okay. Can you tell me what happened? Ella says both creating the graphic novel as well as writing in her journal helped her to process her thoughts and feelings. The last image Ella drew was about what comforts her. My cats help like comfort me when I'm not feeling the best. And sometimes when I'm feeling overwhelmed, I write stuff down. And there's a picture of a cat and journaling can really help take some of the stress off of your shoulders too. Sometimes it's hard to put like your emotions in words. So just try to get the things that have really been bothering you and try to put them into words and then write them down. It can be in like a letter form, but you can also just like write your thoughts down and sometimes it helps. 
Writing as an outlet for your feelings came up for all the writers, but they also spoke about the desire for self-acceptance. 17-year-old poet Kara Chen in Lake Oswego, Oregon, describes the cultural pressures fighting both self-acceptance and getting help. It's about understanding yourself and understanding that you can hurt and not seem like you're hurt on the outside. And it's also about acceptance and empathy because, especially in I know in like Asian culture, it's seen as like a weakness. Like if you can't see the blood, you're not hurting. But especially with like COVID, and especially with just like a growing acceptance of things that aren't visibly obvious, but we know do affect us. I think that it's really hopeful to me to look forward to mental health care being more accessible and mental health being less stigmatized in the future. There's a lot of stigma toward mental health. That's one of the barriers written about in the Acoma Project report. 18% of youth in the report said they would think less of someone who sought mental health treatment. This is why it's important for the writers in the ISM Youth Files to speak up about their mental wellness. It can help reduce that trauma. Kara Chen says writing poetry helps her to step outside herself so she can feel safe to express her feelings. But I think with writing, you get to understand that in a more creative and complex way so that your feelings can show up as more nuanced and less like, I'm feeling overwhelmed because writing that on paper every day is a little boring. But if you write in metaphors and if you write about other characters, experiencing the same problems as you are, I think it's a little more freeing and it's a lot easier to write about it that way because it's not like, this is me. Creativity can support your mental health. It's also important to seek professional advice to help you when you're feeling low. This can be a doctor or a therapist, someone who is in the medical field. When writer Danica Leung fell into a depression during social isolation, she looked for help. When I was forced, basically, to seek out mental health services and therapy, I currently have a really good therapist. I currently am on medication, and it's been so helpful. But I don't think that without the pandemic, I would have gotten to such a low point that I would have seeked help. Otherwise, I think I may have continued down a path of declining mental health. So I'm grateful in some ways for the pandemic for that. Danica says her awareness of social issues during the pandemic gave her purpose and inspired her. It's also a time of social reckoning. The houselessness crisis in Portland, the current heat wave as an impact of climate change, racial inequity and economic inequity. And it inspired me to seek out ways to change the world through the government, as well as through collective organizing. So I took a part in voting rights initiatives, get out the vote. I did cold calls for representatives I supported. I interned with a state representative. Her social activism helped her, but Danica says getting help for mental health treatment can still be a hard stigma to overcome. There is a worry about how people will look at you if you say you have struggles with your mental health. Danica says it helps when community groups offer resources. The OCC with Oregon Chinese Coalition is taking strides towards improving mental health. They have distributed materials. They've offered like a talk line to help support specifically students of our demographic. They also did COVID-19 services. I'm not super sure if they continue to do that. 
but mostly wraparound services to try and help support Chinese Americans who are suffering from COVID in a way that is accessible to them crossing that cultural and language barrier. Danica says there is also a cultural barrier to getting mental health therapy. I think especially for Chinese Americans who come from a collectivist culture in which it's very taboo sometimes to speak out against a dominant thought or where it's, we're kind of faced with the model minority myth where we have to be high performing in order to belong. It's really, I didn't have the language that I have now to be able to understand the feelings I was having, the resentment I was feeling. And therapy was super, super helpful to be able to really put a label on what I was feeling and to articulate the complex mess of emotions that I was feeling then and even now. I mean, I had a therapist appointment this morning and it was it went great. So I think therapy is so beneficial to really just make you feel like you're not alone. Kashiwabara. NAMI, the National Alliance of Mental Illness, says approximately 50% of youth do not receive help for mental health disorders due to stigma. One way to overcome stigma is to tell other people they are not alone and there is no shame. One of our writers, Jernia, is a multiracial 17-year-old in Mystic, Connecticut. Jernia says she has never saw a therapist, but it does make her feel better to talk over problems with her friends. I have talked about it here and there with my peers, some of which have actually reported similar effects or at least not wanting to remember the past, but haven't been diagnosed with any trauma response or anything. Expression is the one of the most divine parts of life. When I say divine, I'm not talking in any biblical sense or religious sense. I'm talking in like expression comes from your core being and in that process you find yourself at your core being it takes a process it takes like a long time to maybe even begin to start and to feel comfortable with that expression but it is honestly when i started expressing myself i was not able to go back it is it's it's like breathing air and drinking water even more for mental health and moving through trauma. It creates a community in some senses. When you start actually speaking your truth and what's inside you and what is really going on in your head, no matter how ugly, quote unquote, no, it may be, it actually releases the fear and that it releases that ugliness, that perspective. Honestly, I think it's just really one of the pathways to healing. Another pathway is reaching out to family. 
Writer DeAndre Avant in Boston, Massachusetts, spoke highly of his grandmother, Jacqueline, from his paternal side of the family. She has always taught me to focus more on my faith. And she's the one that got me into being more in touch with my religious background of being a Christian and a Catholic, even though my mom's Catholic and my dad is Christian. But I was always taught to rely on my faith and know that my faith is greater than people make it seem. That everyone has a support system and that we can all tap into a sense of faith, but it depends on like how strong of a support system someone can have. It's not the complete system, but it's a system that works for me. Having a support system outside of professional help can uplift your mood. Taking care of yourself is important too. Journaling and creative writing, going for walks or other exercise, these are important. Also important is having time each day to spend for yourself. Eric Nielsen in Livonia, Michigan, was 17 years old when he wrote his poem during social isolation. It's called Lost. My life could be delightful, I suppose. Be brightened by its poems and its prose. Be happy till my days come to a close and be content with everything that I chose. I'm what could have been, I'd rather not dwell. Instead escaping from my lonely cell. No silence now, for others hear me yell. I've overcome the past, doubts I dispel. Whenever I've written something down, whether it's been something I've, that's bothered me, something I've been thinking about, or maybe just something I've just wanted to write down for fun and sort of just vent my feelings about, whether it's poetry, just regular like journaling sort of thing, whether it's like writing a story or just like even just a bullet point list, it's helped me to think about it just way more clearly than I would have otherwise. Expressive writing, such as journaling and writing poetry, as well as other creative activities, have been shown to improve mental health. They can be a gateway to processing negative experiences. Eric Nielsen says creativity helped him. I would say mental health is like how we view ourselves, how we view the people around us, our general outlook on life, I'd say. It's something that's controlled by you, but also not controlled by you, if you get what I'm saying, because there are so many external factors that can affect it. Ultimately, though, you're the one that decides like which of those factors take control. All of our writers say that having more awareness and support of mental health can allow them to focus on other things in life. They can look towards the future to figure out what they want to do and how what they have gone through can help others. Here's what Kara Chen says about the future. There's a Persian lyric poet named Hafiz, and he has this line in one of his poems, like, all the ingredients to joy are there within your soul, or something like that. I don't think I have the exact quote, but just like, everything that you need to make joy is within you. And so if you want to be an optimist, if you want to look forward to living um, and to the rest of your life, like just choose joy. Looking at the past is also important. When we are inside of our struggles, it is hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel. But looking back, sometimes we can see how we became stronger and take something helpful with us as we move forward. Writer Caitlin O'Neill, a 17-year-old Vietnamese-American student in Portland, Oregon, looks at the pandemic as a defining milestone for her generation. I think it would mark our resilience. I think as a bunch of young people in the world right now, it was 
something that even even other generations were not expecting at all. And I think our ability to rebuild after this really shows what we're capable of and how we can use our resources at hand to bring back kind of what the world was used to beforehand. I think it really put into perspective how quickly things can change, especially since, you know, we're all, at least for my generation, like teenagers, young adults, like adolescent. Since we were kind of just getting used to how how life was going for such a big shift and a big change to occur, it will be something we look back on. And whether it's there's another pandemic or just some sort of like event that needs to be overcome, it would be a good way to kind of recalibrate and say, we've done this before. We're capable of overcoming it and moving forward. Caitlin's poem, Take It For Granted, speaks of rebirth and hope for the future. Think about what we've lost and endured, but lost isn't simply something misplaced. Rather, the experience is never to be had, the forgotten joy of others and the people we can never get back. And endured can never hold the weight of how we survived on LED-lit screens, mental health so fractured that a broken vase seems more put together, and periods of isolation spanning what seemed like eras without beginning or end. As time went on, pieces of my life began to chip away, like how a sandcastle breaks down upon the shore. Waves take their course and wither away each pile of sand, trying so hard to stay together despite the harsh wind and crashing waves. The tower, once tall, dwindles down to nothing more than an abandoned pile. But despite cracks, crevices, uneven arches, and slanted walls, we still rebuild. Our once uneven arches become sturdy and solid. Our slanted walls become adorned with beauty and hope. Our days spent inside become days spent with friends. Our anxiety-ridden worry eased by safety nets of people we love. Our self-isolation welcomes the physical contact of others with open arms. What was once a majestic palace fallen only to be reconstructed again. Now, as we find ourselves discovering this new normal, filled with those familiar faces, crowded spaces, hugs, and handshakes, we can't help but to appreciate the world a little more, the transformation of our lives, but this time for the better, almost as the world blooms from the remains of isolated dust, blooms from strides as a community, blooms from our strength, blooms from what we've lost, blooms from our hope, blooms into the world we are rediscovering one step at a time, and I will never take it for granted again. I don't take for granted the experience of working with a therapist. When I was struggling, my mom would also help me and make sure I knew that I would be okay. Now I can support other people and hold their hand when they are going through something. I can tell them I've been where they've been, that they will get through it like I did. If you want to know about mental health opportunities, there are also organizations working to provide support. This can be in the form of pamphlets, hot and warm talk lines, and other peer support methods. Also, this is important. We can text or call 988 anywhere in the United States to get crisis care help every day, all day long. It is confidential and supports anyone in suicidal or mental health crisis. For more info about this project and the book, Speaking Our Truths, or to download a free mental health toolkit, visit MediaRights.org. I hope this has helped you. For everyone who worked on the ISM Youth Files, thank you for listening. I'm Mila Kashiwabara. The ISM Youth Files Project received support from Ronnie LaCroote, 
the Regional Arts and Culture Council, the James F. and Marion L. Miller Foundation, the Oregon Arts Commission, the Collins Foundation, Oregon Humanities, Oregon Community Foundation, Western States Arts Federation, the City of Portland Arts Healing Grant, and individual donors. Special thanks to our partner, Oregon Children's Theater, who co-created a mental health toolkit for this project. Get a free download of the toolkit or more info on the Speaking in Our Truths book at MediaRights.org. M-E-D-I-A-R-I-T-E-S dot org. Order your copy of the Speaking in Our Truths book at Amazon or request it at your library or school. Music for this show was composed and performed by Tomo Singh. Here is music on all platforms. The Is Amuse Files project was produced by Demilo Roberts with Amanda Anderson and Samson Sierroth. Literary Works Editor was Sandra DeHelen. Our mental health consultant is Dr. Eleanor Heal Kashababara. Our engineer was Clark Salisbury, who provides additional music. This is a Meteorites production.